We have a lot of respect for people who practice different religions, and our purpose with this podcast is to simply identify and deconstruct problematic evangelical ideologies. Oh, hi there. I'm Candice. I was just working on situating my lived experience into a salient critique of ideology. Let's see if this thing works. Whoa, whoa, whoa! It seems like it needs a little more work. But that's the exciting part, because you never know what you'll discover along the way. But don't take my word for it. Why don't you come along for today's adventure in ideology? Welcome to Adventures in Ideology. I'm Candice. And I'm Karis. And today we have special guest Courtney with us. Welcome, Courtney. Thank you. Three C's today. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Candace cares, Courtney. Um, So, Courtney, so for everyone listening, Courtney and I went to Bible college together. We uh, also did a Patreon episode together where we discussed our Bible college. So you'll have to listen to that one. Subscribe to our Patreon. Um, But, Courtney, tell us about your relationship with Adventures in Odyssey. Um, So I grew up listening to them. My first recollection of it is probably when our church kids club did a group trip to Edmonton to go see an Easter performance and our pastor had put in, I actually think it was the Pilgrim's Progress episode. And I found that. I remember that one. Yeah. Honestly, Mm -hmm. it's one of my favorite episodes. And I had read like the kids version of the book in our library. And so that's kind of how I, that's my first memory. And then I borrowed some cassette tapes from friends. And then once I got old enough, I would order them in from the library sometimes. And I would spend mornings straightening my hair (laughs) to go to school, uh, junior high. And I would just go through the tapes. And my favorite episodes were always like the archaeological digs or uh, the St. Patrick's Day episode was another one of my favorites, too. So it's just one of those fun ones. remember that one. I remember when they were on the hunt for the buried bones of Jesus. Oh, yeah, that one was weird. But I also thought it was really fun at the time. At the time, we were really into it. Was that the one where they're in Spain? Yeah. 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 I thought they were looking for wit. There was a few that were connected. Maybe uh, maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. I just remember Eugene asking for the bathroom. (laughs) Donde esta el baño? (laughs) Oh, Eugene. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then I'd buy like the 99 cent cassette tapes at our local Christian bookstore too. Oh, and nice, listen yeah. to those. I have a bunch of the Christmas ones, I think, as well. So just fairly immersed in it. Was really happy if I ever got to like catch a Saturday live on the radio episode or something. Right. Yeah. Um, and then I read uh, the passages books all throughout, had some of the VHSs as well too. So oh, you've just... read those. Oh, yeah. I just hey. gave away a bunch of them, actually. No! Why didn't you give them to us? I didn't <laughs> think of it. I was just getting rid of all of my Bible college books, all of everything that I had no desire to have in my life anymore or had no use for, and just donated them. I read some of these, too. Yeah, I forgot about those books. I have the original Passages audio cassette, too, I believe, as well, that, like, introduced them and shared, like, one of the stories on a tape. Before okay, can you tell me out. a little bit more about that series? Yeah, so these two kids, or a couple of kids. Are they from one, Odyssey? Yes. Yeah, okay. 
And it's almost kind of like a Narnia style thing where they somehow magically end up in this other land that, Oh, hello, sir. <laughs> a guest, first of all, um, Betty, um, end up in this other land and it has like two moons in the sky. And I think usually one of the kids yeah. has two different colored eyes because they're like special to God. I forget the name they had for God, but it's equivalent to like Yahweh, um, Jehovah. And, um, yeah and then they almost reenact like a bible story one of them is like david and saul and instead of collecting foreskins he had to collect medals you know make it a little more family friendly right so they would it was a way to teach bible stories to kids in a way they thought would be more interesting to them just a way to hook us in and and change it and more palatable (laughs) yeah uh, they are also all written by our favorite Adventures in Odyssey writer, Paul Phil- McCusker. <laughs> oh, Paul. Okay. Yep. I've been, I mean, I I've guess- been having trouble with the recent Phil Lawler episodes. That's fair. You'll notice that this episode that we're going to talk about today was written by Paul McCusker. Of course and it was. centers around women. I know. Well, they are always writing stories for young, about young girls and young women. Yes. Yeah. Which is weird. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. also, I get like, okay, you're I'm... a writer. You can write about different people's experiences, but mm-hmm. they're, they don't write about them well. <laughs> right. Yeah. Maybe keep to your own wheelhouse and your own experiences. Well, or but... do some research, like try and actually yeah. understand what <laughs> yeah. the person you're writing about is like. Because the yeah. problem is Phil Lawler does keep to his own wheelhouse, which is women die and or are maimed in order for men to find Jesus. And or <laughs> fulfill their ministry and greater purpose yes. in life. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just to be fair, men writing women, men authors writing women is a problem across the board. Uh-huh. Because, you know, they always write. And I imagine, even, I imagine, like, do you think there is a similar thing with class and race? Like rich oh, people I'm writing sure. poor people? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was. Uh, white reading, people writing POC. Yeah. I was reading something the other day about people writing bilingual characters that they'll just casually throw in words so that you know that they're bilingual but not actually having an understanding of how a bilingual brain works. <laughs> it was it was very intriguing. I've read that thread, I think. It's a a Tumblr thread. Oh, yep, probably. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite one is like there's a thread that's like women or what it sounds like being a male author writing a woman and it's like <laughs> She yeah. breasted boobily across the room <laughs> thrusting her like it's just like all about her boobs. Yeah. I mean, like and there's one that? line that's like her boobs she was her chest deflated or something and you're like <laughs> what anyway sorry yeah i really enjoyed that thread when i read it mm-hmm. what were and, you gonna say, and the responses of women to the terrible writing <laughs> yeah. of women yeah <laughs> yeah it's like if we wrote men the same way we wrote women 
it'd be easier he to He was very conscious of the fullness of his dick as he walked exactly, across the room yeah. in his tight pants. <laughs> he penised penisly across the room. Hey, at least those actually deflate. He wondered if anyone would notice how yeah. sexy he was right then. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes, exactly. He sexily seduced sexy, sexily with his penis. Yes. Penis, penis, penis. It was big. <laughs> penis. Sexy, sexy penis. <sighs> Sex. Boobs. Yeah. No, no, this is the no. male version. My bad. Sorry. <laughs> what do I know? Um. So today we're talking about, now that we've gone on that uh, fun discussion about Paul McCusker, Today we're talking about Back to School, which is the third album, originally aired September 10th, 1988. The description is, Leslie seems to have trouble with telling the truth. Over-exaggeration, in quotation marks, seems to be her middle name. They really, again, they really buried the lead on. Uh, yeah, no. I was going to. It could have, yeah. should have been like, Leslie has trouble with, with. Who she thought was her best friend yeah, <laughs> or something yeah. like just like completely it's a complete misdirect unless that was just to grab people in but also i think friend best friend relationship drama is a little more grabby mm -hmm. yeah they also, did mention changes yeah. right in the beginning as well too here we go so the exaplot is really boring it's chris talking to a janitor about kids going back to school. So we're not going to talk about it. So then Chris says, Leslie has a reputation around Odyssey for telling stories, exaggerated stories, and usually they're pretty funny. But this time they're a cover-up for something a little more serious. Dun-dun-dun. So before we start, just know there are four key players in this episode. Leslie, Anne, Cindy, and Krista. The whitest white girl names. Literally. <laughs> There's some white white girl drama in so, this episode. There is, yeah. Keep in mind they're what, grade six? I yes. Think? Yeah. Uh so it's the episode starts with Leslie talking to Anne about uh she was delivering newspapers and mr turner's dog must be a horse you could put a saddle on her and run her in the kentucky derby so she's so this is how they're introducing to us that she is exaggerating because Anne then says she's not that big and leslie says well she sur sure seemed like it to me and this kind of becomes her default response anytime someone says well that doesn't seem right then she'll say well it sure seemed like it to me and you can't argue with personal experience no, totally. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a good move. <laughs> and that, yeah, totally. Uh, and then, so then Le Leslie sees Cindy and is basically like, bye, Anne, <laughs> ditches her to go see Cindy. And Cindy's kind of awkward and doesn't really, isn't like super excited to talk to her. They haven't talked all summer. And Leslie says, it's been years. Again, they're really emphasizing this exaggeration. Which they seem to make as, like, this really problematic thing. But I feel like it's also just, like, communicating with us that there's other things going on. Which I know that they're trying to do. But anyway. So Cindy basically just says she's been busy. And Leslie's like, too busy for your best friend? And Cindy's like, 
oh come on leslie it's no big deal she's like very dismissive and like um anyway so leslie then is like well what about this afternoon you want to hang out but cindy already has plans with krista so there you go we have all four people now um that i'm uh, yeah that are literally the only four people in this episode other than wit of course other than god so then uh cindy leaves because she was looking for krista and she wasn't there so then leslie goes and talks to wit but she's looking for Anne again because now that cindy's not there she wants to hang out with Anne again and then like wit says something about like wow you drank your milkshake glass dry like our women that landed oddly drink? for me too oh, like yep. it was so weird he's like i, hope I was like are you shaming milkshake. her for drinking her milkshake yeah Excuse yeah use me <laughs> women can't finish their food well and he yeah. was also policing her of, i hope you don't want another one you've already had one i'm sorry yeah sir. he was yeah she's patronizing your business and you're going to police this child that you have no responsibility over i don't yeah. think so uh to be fair this kind of stuff would happen to me sometimes because people didn't think i ate very much and then i would eat a lot and everyone would be like oh my goodness i can't believe you ate all of that normal amount of food which is just really irritating. Yep. And it would happen yeah. to me because my dad's like, what? You want more than just a salad? You can only eat a salad. That's all you need. Mm. Um, no, sir. I'm hungry. Thanks. Yeah. You deserve food. Yep. And also no one can eat only a salad unless it has no. a lot of stuff on it. Yeah. yeah. Chicken Caesar salad does not a proper meal make. Mm, it's a good yeah. meal, but it's not fully balanced. So anyway, after his weird milkshake comment, then his milkshakes he bring all the girls to the yard. <laughs> to the yard. <laughs> all the kids to the yard, I guess. Sounds really bad. But it's true. <laughs> I, I know. Yep. It- <laughs> yep. So then he asks her if she's doing okay. And then what's new? How was your first week of school? And Leslie's like, Oh, same as always. Terrible. Woke up late. I didn't have anything to wear. You know, the usual stuff. Um, And then he's like, well, what do you mean? And so then she kind of walks him through. Like, she's having a hard time getting up in the mornings. Which in my mind is like, maybe she's dealing with some depression. I mean, or she's just like a kid that doesn't want to get up. And i that's fair, too. But like, anyway. And then she's like, and so then it like kind of segues over to her experiences so then first we find out about her mom yelling at her to get out of bed and then wit interjects and is like your mom's not like that at all and Liz i had like, trouble well, believing that was her mom how too. it sounds sometimes <laughs> yeah like she's uh, but like, so have- i remember this episode pretty clearly from when i was a kid yeah and i remember thinking whoa like her mom is so mean yeah <laughs> I didn't get that she was exaggerating. Like I didn't right. make that it the was connection like that up. they were very clearly trying to make. Because yeah, I was very right. smart. <laughs> it's also her perception of the events too. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. You know, and yeah, when you're just... when you're a kid and you're littler than the grown-ups in your life, yeah. if they're a little bit irritated, that can feel like angry and scary. Yeah. I mean, I know I was scared of our mom when she was angry. 
Were you? Sometimes. I mean, not like scared, scared, but like, oh, I should go clean my room. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just enough to behave. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, and I wouldn't get yelled at. And especially if you're like an empath or a highly sensitive person too, you pick up on every single little mood switch or change and that can color how you see things. So yes, that may not be reality, but that is your perception and that is valid. Yeah. Or you're picking up on things, yeah, that are going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily projected at you or about you, but are there. Totally. So, yeah, maybe Leslie was just an empath. I don't know. Anyway, so. Oh, we haven't got to the bus driver yet. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. (laughs) Crazy Eddie. Okay. Don't worry. We're almost there. Uh So then Leslie's like, well, that's how it sounds sometimes. And then she's like, well, I have to get dressed, but I have a hard time finding stuff to wear. And her mom is like, well, I got you three new dresses and grabs one and puts it on her. And then Leslie is like, well, I don't want to wear this dress. And then she tears the sleeve accidentally. And uh, then the mom lectures her and makes her wear it to school anyway. Because... Uh, And she says that her mom says, or what you hear is her mom saying, you can wear that dress as it is. We aren't made of money. And so then Wit's clarifying, she made you wear the dress to school. And Leslie's like, yeah, she said it would teach me to be more careful. Isn't that mean? And Wit's like, no, I bet you are more careful in the future. I kind of liked that response. (laughs) Did you? As a mom. I mean, I don't know if it's the right response. If it was me and it was my child, I mean, basically this has happened when she started having an opinion about her own clothes, Mm -hmm. you know, they, and then she started wanting to choose her clothes. Um, Like, like in this story, Donna's like, but I don't like that. I want something Mm -hmm. like she didn't have anything in her wardrobe that she felt represented her. And Mm -hmm. maybe that's because her. Well, it sounds like they went shopping together to get the dresses, but, right, you know, maybe she didn't feel she could fully express herself or whatever. Right. So I don't know if I would force my child to, but in that moment, yeah, I could see how that would feel satisfying, yeah. <laughs> you know, especially if it was something that it anyway. was made you really mad, you know? Yeah. Yep. But well, I don't think it's necessarily the best. Yeah. Right. When there's a rush, yeah. Late. Um, and I guess I believe a lot in like know. natural consequences. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a natural consequence. Right. Or the other, like if she gets changed and then misses the bus, then that's kind of a natural consequence. But right. then Either I'm way. not sure if that just falls on me then to like give her a ride to school. So right, exactly. So that's not really <laughs> Is a consequence. Anything for her. being learned here? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I had another thought, but I can't remember right now. So, anyway, so then, so Leslie's like, so anyway, so I had to wear an ugly sweater over top of my ripped dress, ripped dress, and then I almost missed the bus. 
And then she's like, we open, and he opens the door, and it's Crazy Eddie, our bus driver. And then there's like this creepy voice that's like, "Hello, my pretties, welcome to my weirds mobile." <laughs> I always thought he reminded me of the bus driver from The Simpsons. Is who I always thought. Yeah, Otto. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> that was who I thought too. Um, and so then Wit's like, Leslie, are you sure you're not exaggerating? And then Leslie's like, really? I heard he even got pulled over by the cops once. Because nobody else has ever gotten pulled over <laughs> by the cops. But, uh, and then there's like a, and then there's like a, a cut scene. We'll call them cut scenes. Because I don't really know. There's like back and forth. Uh, but the cops are like, why are you going 65 in a 30 zone? And Crazy Eddie's like, uh, I was slowing down for the turn. And it's like. It's all like maniacal and evil laughter <laughs> sounding. So then Leslie gets to school. She mentions that she feels deserted by her friends and she can't find her class. And then she gets approached by an adult, I think a teacher. It's very unclear. I it's, kind of assumed the principal. Like the principal maybe? Yeah. But there's so no ask- indication of who this person is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, it's a it's a male voice <laughs> gets approached by somebody asking by an, for her help yeah, by an, an older male person yes in the hallway yeah run yeah maybe <laughs> yeah um asking for her hall pass she doesn't have one and then he like keeps telling her to call him sir you don't have one sir he like keeps correcting her mm-hmm. and then finally he finds out what grade she's in and She's starting sixth grade, so he takes her to class and basically has this, like, evil laugh as he drops her off at her class. Um, So then her teacher is Mr. Gutwrench, and he tells her to hang up her sweater and sit down. And she's like, I'd rather keep it on. And he's like, doesn't matter what you'd rather, hang it up and sit down. And she's like, well, I uh, tore my dress. And so then everyone laughs, and then he yells at them. I didn't give you permission to laugh. You have a 10,000 word essay to write in sixth grade. Um, So then he keeps calling her the wrong name. So he starts with Lisa. He calls her Lisa and says, don't argue with me. And then, and then it cuts back to Wit, who's like, now hold on, Lisa. I mean, Leslie, this is hard to believe. It's just like kind of an apple. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then she's like, that's not even the worst part. And then Gutwrench asks them about their summer and makes her go first. But he's like, since you were late and have a torn dress, you go first, Laura. And she's like, I'm Leslie, so you must have met Lisa. And then she's like, I just sort of hung out for the summer. And then he gets really mad. He's like, 84 days of summer vacation and you just hung out? 2,016 hours and all you could manage to do was hang out? And then he says the minutes. But Mm -hmm. anyway, he's like... And then uh, she's like, maybe sometimes we get ice cream. And then he makes her, he gets really angry and makes her write, I will make better use of my time 220,000 times for homework. Very much like a dream sequence, it feels. It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then he's like, who's next? And I mean it. One of you had better won the Nobel Peace Prize this summer. And Wit's like, you're making this up. And she's like, no, honest. I don't even know what the Nobel Peace Prize is. Uh, and then Wit's like, well, it makes for a funny story. But you haven't told me how your first week actually went, have you? 
So you say you had a bad week, but it wasn't really your mother's fault or your bus driver or your teacher. I think there's something else going on, basically. And Leslie's like, well, I lost all my friends at school this week. Well, maybe not all of them, but my best friend, Cindy. We were best friends for years and years. Then she went on vacation and I went on vacation and I never got to see her. Now she's best friends with Krista. Yeah. Oh, that Krista. We promised we'd be best friends forever. And basically what's like, well, sometimes things change and you make new friends and that's okay. And It's a good message. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm back and forth and Leslie's like, I'm going to go talk to Cindy. She made a promise. And then Wit kind of half-heartedly attempts to stop her and then she leaves. No, don't. No, wait, Leslie. No. Oh, okay. It's not a good idea. It's based off of Willy Wonka. (laughs) Gene Wilder's Willy Wonka. Oh, yes. At one point, he's trying to stop uh, Veruca from running into the thing. And he's just like, no, stop. No. I want a golden goose now. (laughs) And then, so then Leslie shows up at Krista's place to talk to Cindy and she, like, confronts her and is like, we promised to be best friends forever, and now you won't even talk to me. And Cindy's response is, why are you being such a baby? I can have other friends. And Leslie is like, I'm not being a baby. And they have some back and forth. And Cindy's like, you're being weird. We were just little kids. Grow up, Leslie. We can still be friends, but I want to have other friends, too. Leslie is basically like, if you don't want to be my best friend, then don't bother being my friend at all. And she st- storms off. And Chris is like... What's her problem? Cindy's like, I don't know. She's just immature, I guess. So there's all this, like, girl bitchiness. Yeah. Ugh. And, like, yeah. kind of, like, projecting on each other. Because, like, Leslie's just trying to be like, I miss you. But she doesn't know how to voice it properly. And mm-hmm. Cindy's like, you're being a baby for missing me. For having feelings. Yeah. It's kind yeah. of how I took it. Yeah. yeah. No one's actually I mean, taking the time to listen to what she means. They're just hearing what they want and not actually paying attention. Yeah. What were you going to say, Candace? Or maybe she's feeling smothered. Like, maybe she didn't. I totally. Maybe yeah. they made a promise when they were, like, five. And for the last mm-hmm. couple of years, she's been like, this is cloying. I can't. Yeah. I can't handle it anymore. I need more friends. Yeah. Yep. And this is the summer she escaped. <laughs> Finally. So it is interesting because it's like on one side, you kind of feel bad for Leslie. But on the other side, like, is she the bad person here? You know what I mean? Or like the problem here? Yeah. I mean, I think the problem is like adolescent girls not knowing how to communicate and learning how to communicate with each other through like media and magazines and, you know, TV shows and novels and things where women are all just so catty to each other and that's the only way you interact yeah that's true the next scene leslie's at home Anne comes over leslie is not really excited to see Anne, but Anne wants to hang out she suggests all sorts of fun things to do we could go to wit's end we could go for a walk we could watch movie we could do whatever and leslie doesn't want to do anything she just wants to be alone Anne is so sweet here 
I know. So so Leslie's like, nothing personal, you know. I'm just really bugged about something. I lost my best friend today. And Anne's like, no, you didn't. I'm right here. I know. And it just like breaks my heart for Anne a little bit because yeah. she's just a bystander. She's such a this. little kitten. Just I like, I love you. <laughs> yeah. And Leslie's like, not you, Cindy. And so then Anna, of course, is hurt. I hate you, Anne. I yeah. only hang out with you because Cindy's busy doing other stuff. Basically. You're my backup friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the Ouch. life of a backup friend. Yep. Oh. oh, no. Anne leaves. Leslie's mom comes in. Did you and Anne have a fight? She just ran out. It looked like she was crying. And Leslie's like, well, nothing happened. I just didn't want to hang out. And there, her mom just kind of keeps pushing. It's like, what's what else is going on? What else is going on? And Leslie finally mentions Cindy and tells her that she deserted me this summer and this week and this week at school. And I don't care if I ever see her again. So she's just like processing big emotions. And then her mom shares a story about her best friend. This I think it's interesting that we get a name of the mom's best friend, Beverly, but we never find out the mom's name. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> is She's it on the just wiki? Mom. It, probably. Let me look. Nope. We just have her as Leslie's mother. Wait. Leslie's. Oh, nope. We have the actor. But she's literally listed as Leslie's mom. Moms well, that's don't, exciting. Moms don't need autonomy, do they? Apparently not. Society doesn't think so. <laughs> no. So her mom shares the story about her best friend, Beverly, and how, you know, they were best friends and then they changed, they both changed before high school and they became different people because they were growing up and finding things that they liked that didn't click with each other anymore. And then Leslie's like, this also sounds like something Mr. Whitaker said. Mm-hmm. I I also actually really appreciated this story. I thought it was the mom? quite, yeah, like her story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was glad that it didn't. They didn't make it like my friend was getting into like sex and drugs and I did. Mm-hmm. I wasn't because I picked a good friend group, you know, like they could have mm-hmm. been a yeah. lot more exploitive in that scene than they were. Yeah. So I pre- I appreciated the restraint. I thought that as well, even that yeah. they weren't like she got a boyfriend mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. 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 It was very like we just grew apart. We grew in different ways. Yeah. And we didn't have anything in common anymore, but it didn't demonize her. Yeah. Which was a classy move, I thought. <laughs> yeah, I liked that too. Again, you can tell the difference between Paul McCusker writing it versus Phil Lawler. Mm-hmm. Phil Lawler's the worst. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because that's something that genuinely happens. And it's yeah. it's rare that people grow together in friend groups. Often you move places life happens and you just tend to kind of grow apart and that it can suck but it just Mm -hmm. happens it's life and sometimes you like drift back together later yeah and it's lovely but not always and like especially not from like middle school high school friendship so much right yeah Um, this podcast has reconnected me with some like high school friendships i know i was just thinking that actually (laughs) Oh, yeah. So then the mom is encouraging her that she'll find other friends that share the same interests in her interests as her. Uh, And there's one person who will always be your friend. Jesus. 
Um, and then Anne, uh, uh, nope, Leslie. Leslie asks the mom if her and Beverly ever became friends again, and they didn't. And Leslie's like, that's sad. I don't want to lose friends. And then she's like, can I call Anne? I think I owe her an apology. And thanks for talking to me, mom. I thought this was a really sweet yeah, like moment yeah. between it was, them. It was really nice. And you also saw her, what her mom was actually like. And so it gave you more context for the exaggeration level of the story. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, which was nice. Um, and she said, the mom says, you might not think of you might not think so, but I can be your mother and your friend. Too. I didn't like that line. No, it was a little. Cringy. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Something about it rubbed me the wrong way. I mean, I think ideally the goal, and this is a good context for this because she's like in middle school. We think. Yeah. Grade six. Yeah, grade six. Okay. So, you know, like she's growing up a little bit, I guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you you can be friends with your kids, but there's like being friends with your kids and then there's like being friends with your kids and not parenting. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Well, and it's like different if your kids are 25. Right. Yeah. Versus 12. But I think you want to cultivate that early so that you have that as they grow up. Yeah. Because it's not a given. Yeah, it's true. People think it is, but it's really not. No. Yeah, there is an expectation from parents, from some parents, right, that their kids will just keep a relationship with them. Yeah. With the parent not having to do anything. Uh, After that friend comment, Leslie's like, I think I'm ready to start school for real now. And the mom... It makes a comment about running out of dresses for Leslie to tear. And Leslie's like, oh, mom, why do you always exaggerate? They do like doing that where they have like a young person struggles with a certain thing through the episode. And then at the end, they get to turn it around onto a grown up. Project it onto someone else. Yeah. Yeah, because they do that in the, the previous episode to this. Rumor has it. Yes, that's exactly the one I was thinking. Yeah. Where this girl is, like, terrified of this boy, and then they're best friends. And then Wit's like, I thought you didn't like him. And she's like, oh, Wit. Oh, Mr. Whitaker, you can't believe everything <laughs> you hear. <sighs> anyway, it's like a whole thing. Um, but, so then, the next scene, Leslie's at Wit's end, talking to Wit. Like, Again, telling a story with exaggeration. I think this ball, I think she hit the ball like a whole mile. Uh, Cindy comes up to Leslie wanting to hang out. Leslie asks about Krista. And Cindy says, well, we're friends, but I thought we could hang out or something like we used to. So Leslie, so Cindy, who was Leslie's best friend, is now like reaching back out to Leslie, which is kind of nice. So Leslie tells her that she has plans to do homework with Anne, but, and Cindy's kind of sad, but then Leslie says, but if you have homework too, you can come over and join us. And so then they make plans. And Wit's like, well, what happened? It looked pretty bleak the other day. Leslie says, well, maybe I've grown up a little. Anyway, this ball must have flown for two miles. Well, it sure seemed like it to me, and that's how the episode ends. Fade out. 
Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Chris brings up Ecclesiastes 3. It, there's a time for everything. A time to, bo- time to be born, to die, weep, laugh, a time to keep, a time to throw away. And then she talks about changes that you experience when you grow up. And then she says, remember, there's someone who never changes. This whole, like, thread is, like, very precarious. That's yeah. not the word I'm looking for. But, like, it doesn't really connect. Tenuous. Yes. Yes. And so then, yeah, there's someone who never changes, Jesus. Uh, and then she lists Hebrews 13, verse 8. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. If you believe in him, he'll always be there for you. And that is the end of the episode. Um, so I want to hear stories wild ride. from everyone about... A good friend that they grew apart from. Oh. Or you don't have to got if it. that's too if that's too hard of a subject. Oh no, I just gotta think of which one to share. <laughs> I'll go first. Candace, would you like to go that first? Good. <laughs> so when I was in grade four, my best friend moved away. And that summer there was um another girl that lived basically right across the street from me from us. And so we started hanging out. We would go to the Zant. <laughs> like she oh, would yeah. come with us when we went swimming and stuff. And I would go with her family when they went and we hung out a lot through the whole summer. And then the next, like at the beginning of the school year, she started telling everyone we were best friends and Aww. that was really hard for me because I didn't think of her as my best friend because my best friend was still my best friend from before that had moved away. Right. And I was like kind of mad at her about it because like, yeah, yeah. You felt like suffocated. I did feel a little bit suffocated. Yeah. Yeah. But then I was like, oh, fine. Like whatever, I guess we're best friends. So then I kind of leaned into it (laughs) and then we moved so that was grade five we became quote-unquote best friends and then we moved in grade at the end of grade eight Mm -hmm. and much much later like we kind of grew apart and then much much later I saw her post on her social media something about like happy birthday oh no oh here it is I remember now (laughs) so she grew up married a missionary. I've kind of kept an eye on her on social media and stuff. And I got there, I subscribed to their like email newsletters and things. And, uh, I found out they were going to be in Canada for a little bit in Alberta. So I sent her a message and I was like, Hey, I'd love to see you. Like I'm in Lethbridge. Do you guys want to come over for a meal? Is this on, on your way to somewhere or can we meet you somewhere else? And, so they just, they ended up modifying their routes. So they could go through Lethbridge and they came for a brunch one morning. That's nice. Uh-huh. Yeah. I thought it was nice too. It was yeah. really weird because yeah, my friend who had been like very bubbly and outgoing and things like that, like now was so shy. Like she would hardly, she hardly talked to me. And uh... then when I asked her questions at the dinner, like she kind of was with me making food in the kitchen. And then when we went and sat around the table whenever I asked her questions her husband would always answer 
And it made me yeah. like, really, I was like, Oh, <laughs> I don't like yeah. this, but I don't know if it was because she was like so shy or if, you know, like what is their relationship? Like it's a very complementarian Christian relationship. Totally. Yeah. Um, and I know that because I'm friends with her on Goodreads. So I, I see all the <laughs> like Christian self-help books about like being li- loving being a mom and wife things yeah. that make me kind of sad. Yeah. yeah. Um, and why God wants you to be the best mom and wife, which, you know, I don't think though being a mom and wife are bad, but women are so much more than those things. And, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like she went from being this free spirit to being someone who's miserable, who's like trying to convince themselves they're not, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of beside the point. So they came for brunch and then they, they went and they, there was, she posted on social media about how it was so great to see friends in Alberta and she got to see her best friend since elementary school, Angela. <laughs> And how did you feel about that? <laughs> I was so upset about it. I was totally. so upset about it. Because she's the one wow. who wanted to be my best friend. And then yeah. she just like threw. And also, I'm the only reason she was friends with Angela. <laughs> oh, like she she back she pa- backpacked on like my relationship with all these people to like yeah. worm her way in. And then she dropped me like a hot potato. Wow. Yeah. And you gave her brunch. Yeah. And I was really excited to see her. And and yeah. when she was like my best friend since elementary school, I was yeah. expecting it to be me because and she's totally. the one who like, told yeah. me and everyone that we were best friends. Yeah. So I feel like she should have the decency to at least remember that. Yeah. yeah. That's rude. Unbelievable. But rewriting history. So yeah, I was super hurt actually. It made me really, really yeah. sad and mad. Yeah. So that is my story. Wow. <laughs> of growing apart from someone. Yeah, and then like slapping you in the face. Yeah. Yeah. I mean rude. I feel like I started out as uh sorry, I have to bring up the names. <laughs> I start. Mm-hmm. You started out as Cindy. Wait. Yeah, I feel like I started out as Cindy and I ended up as Leslie. Leslie. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Rude. Not that I was like begging for her attention, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, I started out as Cindy and ended up as Anne. Is what I meant. Anne, um, yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never nice to feel forgotten. No. No. And especially, I had a lot of stuff I realized around moving when we moved. Because my I had such close friends there. And I felt yeah. so, such strong connection there. So it was extra sad that when I left, they, I mean not only did I become disconnected, I was actually erased, you know? Yeah. 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 These people that still, I mean, still kind of have a prominent place in my heart, just completely forgot about me. Yeah. Uh, Courtney, do you have a story? Yeah, I do. I always tend to be the bonus friend. Um, 
because my I never really had like best childhood friends. So I was in the public school system from kindergarten to grade three, homeschooled for four, five, and six, <laughs> did three months of grade seven all the way to grade twelve at the Christian school. So by the time I got into like a really solid, like permanently staying somewhere at the Christian school, everybody already had like their best friends. So I was like, mm -hmm. just kind of the bonus friend. And then by the time I get to Bible college, you know, everyone has their childhood best friends and the people I got to be best friends with my first year got kicked out or left. <laughs> yeah. Um, that fits and so, in with what I know of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love everyone really hard and not always returned. Um, yeah. With some really good exceptions. Um, like Macaris, we always find our way back to each other. And it's know, really wonderful. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I meant like hanging out with the people that got kicked out mostly. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fun times in the kitchen with you and Steven. My favorite. <laughs> so good. Um, but yeah, so the most notable thing that like immediately popped into my head is... I lost my job at the college after two years because finances were rough and mm -hmm. they opted to go with a volunteer instead of with the paid staff, which I get it sucked. And my home was on campus too. And so I like lost everything and it was awful. In the end, it was good because it allowed me to realize how abusive everything was still mm -hmm. unpacking all of that. <laughs> but everyone who I was really close with just, dropped me like a dirty shirt just like no one talked to me and then I was really depressed for a while didn't wasn't really on social media much and then when I finally kind of got back on social media you know posted that hey I have a boyfriend and wasn't a Christian neither here nor there but people had opinions <laughs> and I had removed oh, some people due to some Heads up from some good friends like Karis. Um, yeah. But some people were like, hey, how are you doing? How's, how's that boyfriend? Do you want to tell me about him? I'm like, you haven't given a crap about me for how long? And you would like to like get to know me? Okay. Mm -hmm. And then some of them just had an ulterior motive of, you know, it's not very good to be unequally yoked. Like is there at least an openness there to learn about Jesus? And I would be honest with them because that's who I am. And then I didn't really hear anything back from them, even no, though, I mean, that's good at least. Yeah. Even though one person, I, you know, she lived in my house in the summer for two years Ugh. and yep. she's one of my kids. And another person was a neighbor that I babysat their children for mm -hmm. a while now married to a pastor and I, I miss her but you know my yeah my lifestyle choices aren't appropriate to them <laughs> and so dropped yeah. like a hot potato so they carry on with their life and have reconnected with a few people too even uh people that had some clashes with in the past and now they're on their own deconstruction journey and where she I was the end in that situation and I always wanted this girl like love me be my best friend and she wasn't always the nicest <laughs> and yeah. we had some issues and so I had to get over wanting her so much but 
it not being the best thing. And now we're at a comfortable, you know, we're still friends, but we're never going to be best friends and that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the main one I can think of. And I mean, I've got friends who were, you know, over in Scotland or England taking their master's. Um, and we used to be Scotland, Scotland. Yes. Mm-hmm. Thick as thieves. Um, yeah, but yeah. Very, very different lifestyle and thing now. And we'll chat every once in a while, but there's not really much of an back and forth there with that. I was going to say in my first and second year, you would have been the Anne to her Leslie to my Cindy. Yep. Because the amount of times that she would tell me that, like, she's like, I've, you're, I've never been annoyed with you and I get annoyed with everyone. Yeah. And, like, it was very stressful to me because I was like, there's, it's only a matter of time before you get annoyed with me also. And yep. also, if and you get annoyed with everyone, maybe it's not everyone's fault. Also that. Yeah. I mean, I didn't have the... I, I didn't have that much of an understanding, <laughs> yeah. but I was like, it's only a matter of time before you get annoyed with me. And if you have this expectation of never being annoyed with me, then you're, that's going to be the end of our friendship. Yeah. And like, and was I, it? I think so. In a lot of ways, there was, there was a or lot of like the pressure rift. on it. Yeah. There was mm. a lot of like rifts in our friendship that were imagined and, or had been dealt with, but people hadn't realized they'd been dealt with so then we had to like yeah talk about it again and like deal with it again anyway yeah there was like some things but uh yeah i'm trying to think of one i mean i've had lots of friends but i i always growing up i always kind of felt like the lift out and i don't know how much of this has to do with my upbringing but I just was like, no one cares if I'm around. No one will notice. No one notices if I'm not there. So I never, like, I had best friends, but I was like, but we're not really best friends because they wouldn't notice if I wasn't here. And in high school, I had this friend who, in her mind, we were best friends. And in my mind, I liked her. I thought she was delightful. But because I just assumed that nobody really liked me, then I just didn't like anybody. Not that I didn't like her, but like I never. Uh, that wasn't put an option. My heart in. Yeah. 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 And so we were friends in high school. And then I got friends. I became friends with this like group of homeschoolers. <laughs> you, you know. Um, and they. I, I don't know. I became really good friends with them and like would talk about them a lot at school. And I didn't really think anything of it. I didn't think anyone cared. And one night I uh, went with her, with my, this girl who thought we were best friends to a party at another friend of ours house. And she was like half drunk and we went for a walk just around the acreage. And she's like, well, I just feel like I've been replaced by all of these homeschooler friends, all of these other friends that you have. And I miss you and I never get to see you anymore. And I hate that. Like, And I was like, oh, my God, she actually cares about me. (laughs) Like, and it was like, it was kind of mind blowing for me because I was like, nobody cares. Nobody cares if I'm around or not. Like, sure, I'm here. I'm an extra person. But like, if I'm not around, nobody cares. And so when she like, it was like, I'm really upset with you 
because you're not making time for me. I was like, oh my God, someone actually wants me to make time for them. And that was something I had never really clicked before. Because, you know, I, I often would get people who were like, you're so great. I never annoyed with you. Like the same thing with this person. And then yeah. something would happen and then we'd no longer be friends. And I think I didn't always notice it. They just would stop inviting me to things or whatever. And I wouldn't always notice it. But I think what would happen is then they realized like, oh, no, you do annoy me or like whatever. And then just didn't want to spend time with me anymore. And I think that became kind of like a habit or like a pattern maybe. And like some of that was probably me being like, well, nobody cares about me. And so then I wouldn't put effort in. <laughs> so a lot of it was probably me shooting myself in the foot. But uh Anyway, and so then that kind of changed my perspective on things because I realized that she actually really cared about me as a person mm -hmm. and like really wanted to be friends. And so then we became really good friends and I made more of an effort. And this is kind of the opposite of the story, but we still chat. We're not close anymore, but probably once a year we'll touch base. I'll go over to her place or... When I moved to St. Albert, her and I chatted on video chat, uh, and it's just like a check-in point, maybe once or twice a year. And I, because I again, I realized like she would make effort to hang out with me even after high school. Like she would want to hang out, she would want to do stuff, and then like I was either busy sometimes or like wouldn't make so much effort to hang out with her. And then I one day I like realized like. No, she's being a really good friend and I'm being a really terrible friend. And then after that, I was like, okay, I need to start reaching out to her more. And like, if she would text me, then I would like make sure that I like immediately responded and then, or was like, I can't do it this week, but can we meet next week? Or like, or yeah. if I didn't hear from her for a while, then I would make sure to hang out, to connect with her. So that's kind of like the opposite story, but she's a really patient friend because she put up with me, you know, not putting an effort in because I just assumed that nobody liked me. I've done that too with my first year roommate from Bible college. Her and I didn't get along for the semester she was there. And then mm. we became fairly good friends and she, I was chasing this other person at the time, but my first year roommate would like put in this effort and like write me notes and like get in contact with me. And I am so terrible about getting back and which this is a good reminder. So I'm going to text her after we're done. Cause she's pregnant with twins right now, but she like, every time she comes through my town, she's like, Hey, are you there? You want to hang out? Even this last time when she had her two kids and her mom with her, she's like, Hey, let's do something. And like, That's she's nice. always been so good about it. And mm -hmm. I have forever been awful. <laughs> So I have that side too, where I'm like, but I want this person so much, but this other person's like, can we be friends? And I'm just like, but you're yeah. not so-and-so. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it definitely goes both ways. Did we have other things that we wanted to discuss? Courtney, I see that you've written some thoughts. Oh. I really like them. <laughs> Is there anything that we haven't addressed that's on your list um. that you want to talk about? Not really. We kind of got through it all. Most of it. Yep. Aside from the Jesus is my friend. Jesus <laughs> is my friend. Jesus is my friend. I'm so glad we're friends. Maranatha Kids music stuck in your oh head for God. life. 
No. I was like, is this something I missed in this episode? Because I don't remember this song. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's from the bullfrogs and whoa, Samwise. Sorry, acrobatic kittens. <laughs> um, it's from the bullfrogs thinking... and butterflies cassette tape that I had as a child. Oh, we have God. that one. I think yeah. I have the cassette tape right now. My daughter's <laughs> we... really into cassettes. Yeah. yeah. So good. Um, I was I saw you wrote that note and I was thinking... Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> Jesus is a friend of mine. <laughs> Which is like from the 80s. Yeah. No, I got told yeah. a lot. I was like a fairly lonely child because I was more introverted too. So I remember mm-hmm. always being told that like, well, Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. So you'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm still lonely. Like yeah. that, that doesn't fully help me. Like, yeah. can we be okay, sure like, like Jesus find- is a friend, but he's not. Yeah like a physical presence in my life that I can hang out with. He's not going to play Barbies with me. Like, can we find someone to play Barbies with or like read books together? (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. So we saw her exaggerations. I did think it was interesting, though, Courtney, that you mm. pinpointed, like, sometimes people, like, that are empaths are picking up on other people's things. And I think that's an interesting perspective on it, for sure. Because I think that that could be it. I, I mean, part of it. I have been... Kids also do just exaggerate. Yeah, I've been forever accused of exaggeration. You know, the story of the boy who cried wolf, don't cry wolf too many times or no one's ever going to believe you. Yeah. And so... Unless you're Garrick from Deep Space Nine. And the story is about the moral of the story is don't tell the same lie more than once. Yes, yes, so true. I need to watch yeah. that again. I love Deep Space Nine. Oh, we just out nerded Karis, and I love it. <laughs> yeah, sorry guys. I watch it because Stephen uh, does Deep Space Nine episodes on his podcast, so we watch it together. Yes, I need to go. Androids and assets. For those of you listening. You need to go listen to it. Um, yeah. Do you listen to Androids and Assets? I need to start. I've got it on my list. Oh. I haven't got there yet. Yeah. It's pretty <laughs> good. I like it. I am deep in my Dungeons and Dragons phase. <laughs> so. <laughs> Great. Um, Do you yeah. listen to Skyjacks? No, I've mostly been doing Critical Role lately. I've got, I've been like redoing stuff and I'm continuing i still have the last two and a half seasons of supernatural to watch so i'm doing like a full rewatch through right now nice but. have you heard of the campaign skyjacks podcast no but i'm going to write it down now i think you would like it i love it it's it's one of the like two or three podcasts i listen to every week okay. so yeah definitely i will check that you out. should start at the beginning they're like pretty far in now but okay i mean you can jump in on the most recent story arc I but like I think it's better if you start at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen both campaigns of Critical Role a couple times. So if I've invested that many hours, because <laughs> each episode is four hours and there's oh wow, close to 300 episodes and I've yeah. seen them all. So wow. I think we're good. Um, but back to the episode, um, I notice from my personal experience, if you don't believe children, they're trying to talk to you. They're just going to stop talking to you. 
And Mm -hmm. those are the ages when they're trying to learn emotional regulation as well. So I got to here, let me pull up. I wrote things down. Um, It is important to understand perception versus reality, but you can't dismiss people's feelings, especially children's because they are, they're trying to learn emotional regulation. And when you dismiss their feelings, they're just going to think they're wrong or they're crazy. And that's when you get, that's when anxiety gets hyped up and extra and just so many other things. For me, what I'm realizing as we go through some of these old episodes of this and also on our Patreon, we're going through the Christy Miller books, (laughs) is how much experiencing emotions gets labeled as sin. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just like, oh, you just shouldn't be like that. Don't feel that. Don't like stuff it down, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Because if you feel anything, that's sinning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stuffed my emotions for so many years, couldn't cry when I'm clearly an empath. <laughs> and now that I'm figuring this out again, I don't have a lot of emotional regulation. I'm working on that because I was never mm-hmm. taught it. I was taught that mm-hmm. anger is super evil. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was just easier to never be angry. And to know that if I was ever to explode in anger, the world is probably going to end. But yet, it is so natural for men to be angry that you just deal with that Mm -hmm. and you bow down to them and run around and make sure everything's okay so the man doesn't get angry. Yeah. Yeah, and then regulate their emotions alongside of yours. Yes, the role of women really is to be the emotional regulator for the men. In, in that setting, I don't believe that is what the role of women should be. <laughs> Absolutely. Everyone is responsible for their own emotions and actions. Exactly. And you can help someone learn, too. You can walk alongside someone, but they're still responsible. Yeah. Um, and we have to take yeah. our little ones seriously. Because, I mean, I don't have physical children of my own my siblings were six i was 16 and 17 when my siblings were born um so i did get to learn a good bit and i have helped raise the college students because goodness knows they most of them couldn't do shit when they came to the college (laughs) but Mm -hmm. you know and i lost my train of thought well fuck listening to children listening to Mm -hmm. children um oh come on it's somewhere there oh my green meds um, sorry, we'll get, we'll get back. To I it. think what you're saying, ta- you were saying is you need to listen to them when they're communicating with you. Yeah. Because yeah. if you don't, then they will Stop. go elsewhere. Yeah. 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 We're their well, adults. And... We're responsible for them. You choose to bring a life into this world. They're a brand new human. They don't know anything. So are you going to get mad at them because they spilled something or because they don't know how to do something? Whoever taught them. My dad got mad at me because the furnace filter wasn't changed in my trailer. I looked at him and I said, hey, dad, did you ever teach me that a furnace filter needs changed? Uh (laughs) Nope. Yeah. So you didn't give me that knowledge. You can't get mad at me. Yeah. And then you get mad at me for not having it. Like that's. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that Chris is like, usually her exaggerations are super fun, 
But this time it's some it's a cover up for something more serious. Like they make it sound like it's like this evil thing when it's really just like, hey, navigating friendships is hard. I'm sad and I miss you. Yeah. Yeah. I made this promise and I thought it was real, you know. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's kind of an innocence to experience experience. Yeah. <laughs> and like sh- like sure her her exaggeration or her perception of things is communicating something deeper mm-hmm. and that's okay. Like <laughs> as long as you're listening and trying to find out the something deeper. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, should we go through the questions? Yeah, let's do yeah, it. Wiki questions. Okay. So this one is a three parter. So part one, why was Leslie upset with Cindy? Because she felt abandoned. Yeah. Yeah. She felt like her, the promise they made as children still meant something to her. And she didn't feel like Cindy valued that anymore. Yeah. So question two and three or question part two and three of this question. Did Leslie have a right to be upset with her? Why or why not? They want you to say no, I think. But I, I know. I think she completely had a right to yeah. be upset. Mm-hmm. Everyone her has a right to be upset about yeah. what they about. need to be upset about. Yeah. You have you a right to, to your feel feelings. your feelings. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and yeah. Yeah. It's a matter of what you do with him and she still needed to learn some emotional control and her mom did a really good job of teaching her how to navigate that portion of life and giving an appropriate example of how yeah. life can happen. So I'm feeling like because this episode was written about women, I feel like there's less problematic ideologies being communicated. Maybe the two are not connected, but what are what do you guys think? Can you explain that a little more? Well, I just feel like usually we have a lot more to unpack. I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack in this episode, but I feel like every other line in most of them is like, well, and wit this and wit that and blah, blah, blah. Or like, and this is them being terrible about women. And like, I felt like in this episode, there wasn't as maybe as much of that. Mm. Yeah. I think that's accurate. I think, yeah. I think the writer does make a difference because Phil Lawler hates women. Yeah. And Paul McCusker seems to be a little more well-balanced dude. Yeah. Mm. There was a focus on drama because the fact that it was women Mm -hmm. I would be curious how it would have turned out if it had been a group of boys, how that Mm -hmm. would have, or like a mixed group, um, mixed gender group. I mean, you're, you're right. It's telling that they do like relationship things with women because that's, you know, like women do relationships good. Yeah. 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 That is interesting. That's a really good point. Yeah, it would have been interesting if they had maybe done a parallel yeah. with the boys. Mm-hmm. Or... But, you know, boys Just and cause... girls can't be friends because that leads to bacon pies and babies. Jack and Lucy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. 
but they get married and do everything the right way. Like boys and girls can be friends as long as they grow up to get married. Right. That's it. That's all. (laughs) Whoops. Um, Question number two, we kind of already answered. Have you ever grown apart from your best friend? How did you feel? What did you do about it? I feel like we kind of already talked through this one a little bit. Uh, So I'm going to skip it and go to question three. Leslie had trouble when her friendships changed. What kind of changes are hardest for you? Okay. The hardest changes for me Mm -hmm. are when someone changes where they put the cutlery or actually literally any item in my house (laughs) that gets taken out from one place and then put somewhere else. So then when I'm going to try and find it, I have no idea where it is and I have to look in every cupboard and drawer. Those are the hardest ones for me. (laughs) But that never happens, right? Yeah, right. No. (laughs) Not every day. Every day. Yeah. Yeah. The hardest changes for me are air pressure changes. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or changes to my sleeping area. So since I moved... I need I still need to get a new light bulb for my Himalayan salt rock lamp because that light is just really good and somehow my air purifier got lost in the mix it's somewhere here but the sound of it is just I need that sound and so my insomnia is so bad right now so Mm -hmm. like I need to have like very regulated things for that Mm -hmm. but my whole life has changed so when I hear change I'm like yeah what we doing next week (laughs) yeah it's just it's just normal (laughs) that's the spirit i guess yep just just laugh and take another hit off the vape pen (laughs) um i think changes that are hardest for me are like last minute socializing Mm. opportunities like sometimes it's great and sometimes i'm like i can't yeah. I, I now have to be around people and my whole brain was planning on being alone. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to shift that. And I yeah. find that really hard. That's really anxiety inducing anyway. Yeah, I can't do that either. Yeah. But um, I also understand the struggle of cutlery being put in the wrong spots. Mm-hmm. Although it's usually just like flipped around consistently flipped around well i have a problem because i have one person who unloads the dishwasher and puts stuff in random places like just put stuff in the wrong drawers and then i have two little people who go into drawers and just take out (laughs) and cupboards and just take out whatever they think is cool at the moment and and then put it in bins in their bedrooms (laughs) and i find it like weeks later after i after you had to do without it yeah or bought a new one yeah yeah i remember getting really mad because i couldn't find my favorite vegetable peeler and i was convinced my mother put it somewhere in my old place and i was just like running around the house frustrated because i couldn't find my vegetable peeler turns out i'd cleaned it and put it away (laughs) in the dish rack and it was my fault (laughs) oh no (laughs) that i mean i feel like that happens Always once I've been dealing with it for like such a long time and then 
yeah. finally I can't find something and I get so frustrated and then I just like freak out at everybody and then I realize oh wait I put it over here <laughs> but the lead up to that point the responsibility is completely with them <laughs> yeah that's the one time it's the one the hundred yeah. times that it happens <laughs> yeah. yeah it is much more rare that it's that it's me yeah that's yeah. fair having been the one who organized and set the home Planned. places yeah. for everything for everything in the kitchen yeah. yeah there used to be a volunteer when i ran the college's kitchen um and she would come in and my fridge was organized to food safety standards so you always have your raw meats on the bottom and your vegetables and then your sauces above that and she would come in and mess everything up <gasps> and i would get so mad oh so terrible i would just come back and i'd be like okay my work detail student please tattle on this person to me and then if the students were acting up and were like we don't want to eat your supper i'd look at them and i'd go well so and so can come and cook you supper and i'll take a day off they'd smarten up was there anything else we wanted to discuss i mean i just appreciated that it was women yeah finally that weren't just there to die yeah. and or be maimed and oh. i appreciated mr whitaker giving like good advice good advice yes. and i appreciated the kind of relationship that was shown between the mother and the daughter mm -hmm. my automatic reaction to him giving advice though is that it's bad advice because it's coming from him i know right yeah. yeah. So, so when you're like, yeah, no, that's good. I'm like, oh yeah, good point. Yeah. I guess I can't dismiss everything that yeah. he says. And is it the Bechdel test that's like, oh, some? I should yeah. look it up. Yes. Um. Yeah. Are there are there women having conversations that aren't about that men? Aren't. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and so it, it actually passed that. Yeah. This might mm -hmm. be the only episode so far. <laughs> Usually the person that was Cindy would be a boy in like adolescent yeah. girl stories. Mm -hmm. But right. Yeah. No, this is, yeah. this was a pretty yeah. good one. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, I think we'll have to keep an eye on Paul McCusker. He might yeah, will not be absolutely. as, he might surprise us as shitty yeah. as Phil Lawler. Lawler. Yeah. Yeah. I'll have to send you guys the passages tape once I find it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, please. Yeah, we love we fan love. gifts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. Um, Courtney, thank you so much for being on this episode with us. And thank you for being on the Patreon. Yes, you guys need to go check that out for some crazy Bible college stories. It does not disappoint. And that is just the tip of the iceberg as well. It is. We'll, we'll have more. <laughs> we'll have more conversations. Um, is there anything you would like to plug before we end? Yeah. So I do have a small crocheting business. Um, it's mostly moved to my grandparents' antique store, but I do still have a few dice bags available on Dragon Mama Creations on Etsy. And then uh, my second youngest sibling does amazing uh, block prints. Uh, she, they carve and design them on lino blocks and then do different prints. There's even uh, Captain Proton one from Star Trek Voyager, if anyone is interested. I know okay. there is a tree star as well and life cycles of different beetles. Um, and all of the proceeds go towards their small uh, rodent rescue as well. And so that is Carrot Creek Critters on Etsy. So, yeah. Nice. Thank you so much. Awesome. 
yeah thanks for coming and if you guys want more content from us you can follow us on instagram and twitter at ideology podcast you can also find us at www.adventuresinideology.ca and uh, follow us on Patreon. It's $5 a month. You get two extra episodes. Um, and it's not Adventures in Odyssey related. It's other Christian toxic ideologies related, usually. Uh, there's some fun stuff we do on there. Um, and that is uh, Patreon Adventures in Ideology. So check us out reach out to us we love hearing from you give us a a review if you like if you like us give us give us a good review and yeah thanks for listening until next time have a good night bye bye